This is the Your Church Friends Podcast, and we are back with Season 2. Join us as we sit down with some of our church friends to discuss these topics and more. What is worship? Can I trust God? How should I study my Bible? And popular Christian catchphrases. It's Season 2 of the Your Church Friends Podcast. Our church friends. Enjoy. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I am Chris. And I'm Mürdlich. And we are joined today on this special episode with our wives. Hello. Hey, guys. So this should be an interesting show where probably me and Murdoch aren't going to be able to talk a lot. But hey, we're here and we're going to talk about Christian catchphrases. And before we do that, introduce yourselves. Uh, I'm Delilah. I'm Murdoch's wife. Murdoch. (laughs) Murdoch. And you are? And I'm Justine. I'm Chris's wife. You don't have any fun things to call him? No, not thank on the Thank you air. for having a very simple name, boo. Thank you. What's one thing your spouse says all the time that drives you nuts? Can you stop chewing? I'm not chewing anything. That's, no, that's what you tell me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like mid-bite, you ask her to stop chewing? Can you stop chewing so loud? Uh-oh. Yeah, there you go. I'm Uh-oh. fine with you chewing. Go ahead. And... I'm glad I can eat. Oh, got it. What about you, Murdoch? I'll need to think on it. You, di- you didn't prep me for <laughs> yeah, this I question. Prep, I had prepped no one for this question. Although I, I do know that the thing that I say more than that is when I just say, sure. Oh, my word. <laughs> See? Immediate reaction. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm a teacher, so I am kind of one of those snobs that if you're using a word incorrectly, it really irks me. And Chris says uh, parameter when he means perimeter a lot. <laughs> So that really bothers me. Justine says same after like <laughs> I say something I like I want ice cream right now. She's like same. And it just drives me nuts to the point Why? where I'm like same, same, same. Like I just say it it's back to her so development. She's being on your side. That's so it's just sweet. really annoying. All right, Murdoch, it's your turn. I feel like I need your help to tell me when I get annoyed at you. I don't know. That's so nice. You are so nice. With yeah, with your nice. words, you're good. I think that it's just she pinches me all the time. Mm-hmm. That's kind of annoying. <laughs> You're like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, I just want you to pay attention to me. Aww. <laughs> They're See, love pinches. I brought it all up because uh, as married people, we definitely, especially you guys, you just said 11 years, right? And we're going on 13 years. What? So Lucky number 13. After spending a lot of time with each other, there are... Things that you hear them say over and over again, and at some point they either drive you nuts or they lose all meaning. So I think we as Christians, we have the same thing. We do the same thing in church. We just say things uh, around people that don't really make sense or new people walk into the church and like, what does that even mean? Mm. So I'm going to bring up, I have a, a list of a few things. I know Delilah has one that isn't on my list, so we'll let her get to that one after this one. But I have one, so I'll start off with this, and it's a question. Or, or kind of, yeah, it's an A, B, or C question. But I walk into a group of people and someone asks me to do life together. Am I A, joining a cult, B, being asked for my hand in marriage, or C, visiting a church? Do life together? This isn't like, hey, let's go do a stupid crime. See where this ends up. Maybe we can do life together. No, that's, that, that's, that's that. the hidden option D. That's, that's D or, or E, all of the above. That's, that's an alternate option. Which, of course, the obvious answer is C. And that, for me, this is one of the ones that it does drive me nuts more than some of the other ones on the list. This, 
let's do life together because I hear it all the time as being like our life group leader at the church. Like that's the thing they want us to push is do life together with each other. But it does sound very weird. Mm. A little cultish, yeah. If the answer wasn't obviously C because we're on a Christian podcast, I would have gone with A. <laughs> Are we joining a cult? I just think that it's really weird because I feel like the church at so so often forgets how to be normal. Uh, so rather than just being friends, we need to be like, hey, let's do life together. There has to be another Like, term why do we need it. to make it a thing? Like, yeah. can you just call me? Like, I'm fine to go to the movies. Like, this isn't <laughs> doing life together. We're friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree. I, I think so too. That's my whole thing with it. It's like, why can't we just say, like, hey, let's be friends together or like, you want to do something together. Like, let's start a podcast together, friend. Doing life. Or do life. Yeah. So that that was mine. I really, it bothered me the most when I went through the list. So Delilah, <laughs> what was yours? Uh, mine was, if God brings you to it, he'll get you through it. I hear that all the time. Honestly, when you first brought up that we were going to talk about this, I thought we were going to talk about, like, why do Christians feel like we have to have our own language? That's that essentially what it is. have yeah. to translate before we can talk to each other mm -hmm. and I remember when I first started going into church I was just like what does this mean what does that mean what am I saved is Jesus in my heart did I invite him in there sorry I'm skipping topics but um, no it's very accurate the bring you to it get you through it kind of thing just because I feel like anytime I would uh, have an issue or something and someone said that to me it was kind of dismissive you know mm. Like, nah, don't worry about it, even though, I don't know. I agree. That's where I think a lot of these phrases irk me is because they're almost like, yeah, I love the word you use, dismissive, and like just kind of empty in a way. It's like, how does that help someone build their faith through this experience, which is ultimately, I'm sure, what God intended for you to take this challenge that he's presented you and deepen your faith and whatnot. But I mean, that's like basically as you, it's like not even, I was going to compare it to a cheerleader, but it's not even a cheerleader <laughs> because they're just kind of dismissing your bringing up something to them, I guess. I know I would also always think like, but what if God didn't bring me to this? I'm mm. pretty sure I brought myself to this mm. in this situation. And instead of looking at it in a way that, okay, God can make good things happen out of a horrible situation, it would just be like, oh, no, well, he didn't get me through this. I mean, he didn't bring me to this. Mm. So I'll find my own way out, I guess, because <laughs> I'm too embarrassed to say what situation I'm in. Mm. Yeah, when you're talking about them being empty, it seems like, one, a lot of the sayings are just plain wrong. And it's like, we should stop saying these or they just become devoid of meaning. They mm -hmm. become the cliche. And it's hard for some of the cliches because people use them all the time. Mm. And when you actually dig in to understand it, you're like, that's actually a really good way of describing it. However, you weren't helping me by you saying it. Like, mm. you just said it. It didn't actually bring the meaning of what that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was looking for, like, words and why do we as Christians say them, I actually found there was a website called the Christ or Christianese Dictionary. <laughs> Like the Urban Dictionary, but yeah, for Christians. Yeah, but for Christians. Because you're right. We, we go through and we say so many things in church that there, there's so much that we say and everyone's hitting the right theme. They lose meaning. They confuse people. Why do we even say them? Mm. And I liked your point, Delilah, of, it, well, I'm pretty sure that I brought myself to this sometimes. Like, yes, we all bring ourselves to moments where like... God wasn't leading us there. That was just me making a bunch of bad decisions. Mm. It was actually weird for a moment when you guys were talking. It just really felt like 
hearing our podcast, but the female version of it. <laughs> so cooler. Yeah. <laughs> but one of them, and when Murdoch was talking about this one, for me was it is that the it's a statement that has really good depth to it, mm. but because the way it's phrased or because of the way we do or we say it, it's lost kind of its meaning. And it was hedge of protection. Mm-hmm. So that one was really good to me. And it, in the Bible, the word hedge is uh, it's a picture of protection. And I, I read this actually on one of our previous podcasts, and it was a really cool idea of what it meant. But during the Allied invasion of France in 1944, 1944, a lot of fighting was done in areas bordered by hedgerows. Hedgerows were mounds of earth situated along the road and between the fields. These mounds, which measured between four to eight feet high and as much as 10 feet thick, were heavily planted with trees and shrubs. During the war, the dense growth made them tough barriers for the armies to get through. In addition, areas surrounded by the hedgerows could easily be defended by a few troops. So it's basically this, this thick protection that allowed you to sit there and protect yourself while the enemy was attacking. Mm-hmm. And really, when we're talking about that, that's what Jesus is telling us, is, or the Bible is telling us, is make sure there's something protecting you as the enemy is trying to evade your life. So I do have some areas of protection or how we could put a hedge of protection around us. Mm-hmm. And the first one is secure your mind. So the battle is one in here, right? So we do that. Philippians 4.8 says that. Block out temptation. More than just avoiding it, Block it out. Try to get it away from you. And then recognize your weaknesses. Don't get overconfident in what you're doing. And that's how we as Christians could put a hedge of protection in our life. Again, it once we talk about it, it's like, oh, that that's something good. Mm-hmm. But when you're just like, you need a hedge of protection around you. Or someone says it in a prayer. Like, I'm pretty sure I've done it. Like, ask on someone else's behalf for a hedge of protection. But when you think about it, if it's something we need to arm ourselves with, then it's not something that... We can pray for someone's faith to be deepened or someone's, uh, you know, walk with God or relationship with God. Look, I'm even using one right there. Walk with God. (laughs) Um, Someone's relationship with God, like they kind of have to do some work on their own part to build up that hedge. It's not something that someone else can, you know what I mean? Like do for you in a way. Everyone's looking at Murdoch, so just in case no one catches that in the room, where all four of us or three of us are looking at Murdoch because he's our expert theologian on the show. That's sad. Um, <laughs> I was just gonna say we should definitely pray hedges of protection around people because it makes Satan very upset. Mm. Okay, speaking of Satan, though, the very first time I heard hedge of protection and I googled it, there was a group of moms on Facebook that were upset that people would use hedge of protection because they were saying that the devil said it. They were like, why would you pray what the devil said? So I'm glad you're bringing this up. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about, that it makes him upset. It's Mm. in Job, uh, first chapter of Job, verses 9 and 10. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. So, yeah, Satan sees God's blessing as a hedge of protection, Mm. which then the story goes on to say, get rid of all of his stuff, take away the protection, then he won't like you anymore, God. Mm -hmm. So there we go. That was some depth knowledge into hedge of protection. All right, let me go on to the next one before, well, we might have some time, but we'll take that break. All right, let's see which one. Traveling mercies. Is there such a thing spoken about in the Bible? What does traveling mercies mean? 
in layman's terms, I just always consider it like, oh, they hope I drive safely. <laughs> and all others around me drive safely as well. For, for me, that would be, I hope Justine doesn't get caught up looking at the sunset or mountains or scenery <laughs> or while snow. she's driving or snow. I'm sorry that God made this earth so beautiful that I get distracted by it occasionally, you know. I feel like traveling mercies is what everybody prays before every Spirit Airlines flight. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Under the off. bus. So it wasn't we'll that bad. never get sponsorship by Spirit Airlines. No, that was just the joke from when we all went to Tennessee and we figured out that their tagline was, we might get you there. <laughs> the roughest flight I ever had. Yeah, definitely needed traveling mercies bad. then. Oh, see, it's because we didn't pray for traveling mercies. We did Could have been. Could have been. No, it wasn't that bad. It's a funny story. I guess I'll share it right now. Well, we're flying back and the plane starts hitting some turbulence. Justine's just like quietly singing. The, I don't know which song it was, Christian song it was, but she's just singing it so like emotionalist and like like almost like we're getting ready to like die. crash the plane and die. And I'm sitting there like, this isn't good. None of this is good. But yeah, Spirit will never sponsor our show. It was an unusually loud flight from the inside so I honestly couldn't hear how loud I know I was singing I remember what you're saying I remember it but I thought I was being quiet enough where only I could hear it and the kid next to us was totally asleep like five minutes into the flight and the entire flight basically she was all like I'll fly away oh glory and I'm like no this is not what I want to hear on a plane but when I looked in, when I looked into it a uh, traveling mercies is a uh, I guess we all, what we're saying is we pray for it on a journey and everything like that. But what it originally started was in the 19th century, and it was meant for missionaries going on long journeys to remote parts of the world. Mm. In the 20th century, it appeared in magazines and other Christian publications, became popular, and then people were like, hey, if missionaries get traveling mercies, can I get traveling mercies to the grocery store, to the mailbox, and all that other stuff? And so now, whenever, as Christians, we pray, we do pray for traveling mercies. Mm. But again, not really a thing in the Bible, but I would say not a bad thing either. No. Like I don't think it's something we need to strike out of Christian talk or, or anything like that. But no. getting some explanation behind it will help. Yes. And I think Delilah brought up a good point just a second ago about like, I feel like if someone leaves your church and they have to Google something you said to make sense of it, like we're not helping people. Although, I mean, I'm all for you're doing your own research and stuff and you should fact check people. But I feel like, like you shouldn't walk out more confused from church if you're not from that church. Does that make sense? Like, why can't we just say, let's pray that you have a safe journey where you're going. So everyone, no matter how many years you've been coming to church or have not been coming to church, we can all understand what the goal is here of the prayer. Well, because I feel like the church being a community and the church being a family, and we were just talking about it before we started recording, that Casey, our daughter, uh, she thought that when we were saying toodles, we were saying turtles. So one night she just texted me turtles when I was leaving, and now that's just become the way that our family says goodbye. We're like, turtles. And so when you figure that the church being like a family and getting their own language on just how you talk about things, yeah. I can see that happening yeah, to where, true. I mean, I'm sure from the outside, a dad just yelling into his house as he leaves turtles, like my neighbors are like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> that's a good point. But I think that's where we have to be like sensitive to like who's around. Like, I don't want to make anyone feel like 
like an outcast because they haven't come to this church long enough and it almost could feel like a click then or something like oh well we all get it why don't you get it you know <laughs> when it's not like we're speaking in layman's terms it's I like don't we like have that. our own inside joke that we don't share with the, anyone else exactly and so we're getting it but no one else is getting it I feel like these are inside jokes that have been shared with us that nobody gets. Isn't that where we started this? Is that all of us are just saying these things? They're like, why are we saying this? What's going on here? Who's in on this joke? <laughs> Who knows? All right. So the next word then, or the next phrase that I'm going to go into, and then we'll go into our break, is backsliding. Does anyone know what backsliding means? Like how Christians use it or what it really means? Yes, like not like sliding on your back into like home plate or something. Like as Christians, of course, that's the topic we're on. I mean, like I, I think I know what it means, but I don't know if I know what it means. Like going back into your, away from God, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back into the world. So backsliding is stepping backwards in your relationship with God. It's moving away from Christ and towards something else. So instead of making forward progress, we're going backwards in how we live and how we act. And it all stems from Jesus saying, and I I found this interesting, uh, where it actually originated was from Jesus telling the disciples in Mark 14, 27, you will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So right before the crucifixion, he's telling them you will all fall away. So that's kind of where the term gets its origination from. And it's, it's weird and interesting that that's where it starts is that he's saying, You've spent all this time with me and you've walked with me and you should have grown and you've progressed and you've seen all these wonderful things, but something's going to happen and it's going to cause you to fall away from me, step aside from me. But then, of course, the, in the end of it, he's like, hey, but don't worry, I'll meet me in Galilee. And, and then he's like, I will make everything, you know, we'll, we'll fix all this and all that other stuff. And we see the kind of being brought back into a, a further relationship with God. But I, I, I think we as Christians, we use the term backsliding and we kind of like, it's a very judging place. Like we'll look at other people and say, oh, look at them. They're backsliding because they're doing this, this, and that. I just feel like the term is confusing. Like we need to take it, flip it, and reverse it. Because isn't it sliding backwards? Like we say backsliding is like, what is that? Sliding backwards. Oh, right. You know, you're sliding away. It kind of makes more sense. That is weird because it is put backwards. How do you slide backwards? Do I push myself on my back and then slide backwards? So I, my my mind went to like... If we're using that term, are we like gossiping about someone? If they're not in the room or they're not, the intention is not to help them unbackslide. Is it necessary that we even talk about it and use that word? It, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I've ever heard anyone use that term about someone else, like in our life groups. Mm-hmm. Our friend Never groups in our whatever. life group. God, not in we're our perfect. life group. <laughs> I only ever heard it when people are talking about themselves, like I am mm. backsliding, folks, because it's a slippery slope down to where I'm going. Mm. Yeah, I think that brings it in the, the idea of the slope, right? I've mm-hmm. heard it say that if you're not moving forward, mm-hmm. like there's no standing still in Christianity. It's kind of mm-hmm. like if you've stopped, you're sliding backwards. Mm. Like you're talking about the slope, right? Like we're all trying to ascend kind of in a sense, like we're mm-hmm. trying to get to God and reach that. And that if you're stopping, or if you're choosing to, like, you know, then you're going to start sliding backwards. Mm. It's kind of the natural pull of life, maybe. Mm. Here, now we're all defending it. <laughs> we will They're end. Bad. I'm not <laughs> picking up my cross on the daily. <laughs> that's, another, that's a good one. <laughs> then we would need to explain what that means. 
I mean, that one's kind of a direct biblical quote. I'm yeah. hoping that that yes. one can yeah, stay. Yeah, some are, some are more. I mean, we'd still need to explain it, but uh, if someone never walked in church, they wouldn't get that. I think it's easierly explained than saying, like, I'm backsliding at the moment. Be like, uh, should I notice? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't notice what you're doing right now. I feel like I hear that, though, even from people who are not Christian, who mm-hmm. just are trying to live a better life, mm. who are saying, like, I'm backsliding or they're backsliding because they're not doing what they feel like they want to be doing. with a resolution or with like a diet or with something or like a bad habit that they're trying to kick. Yeah. What if it's just a term that was around and the church was like, yeah, sure, that one works. We can't think of anything else. Let's just use that one. Yeah. Everyone else is using it. That makes sense. It's not like we have sinning, right? Like we don't have that word. So let's think of something else. (laughs) All right, with that, we're going to take our break and we will come back with more of Christian catchphrases. This episode of Your Church Friends is brought to you by the Christian Translator app. Download the app today and never be confused by what your Christian friends are saying again. The Christian Translator app, helping you understand the language of the saints. All right, we are back from the break, and I'm just going to make things completely awkward with something that a lot of Christians say and non-Christians say, and that's basically at a funeral when, hey, heaven gained another angel. Did you have a question for that? No, I'm just saying that's a statement, (laughs) and we can come uh, theologically and all kinds of other stuff about, like, did they? (laughs) (laughs) I think that is the most awkward thing that someone... Well, not... It depends on what funeral you're attending, obviously, but... Well, I, just, I mean, Chris, you're a pastor. Uh, how do you handle it if you get asked to do a funeral for a non-believer and everybody's like, oh, they're in heaven? That's probably only happened once. But then again, I've only done a handful of funerals. And I refuse to do weddings at this point now, so that, that'll never happen anymore. But yeah, I've never really had that. Uh, or that feeling of it, of of talking about it. But it is an awkward situation, especially as being a pastor up there. You want to have people feel good about everything that's happening, but like there is this kind of reality of what it is. I mean, if we go back, what if they were a backslider? I mean, why not? Does it have to be so serious? Like, oh, that person was an angel on earth, and now they're an angel in heaven, even though like technically, theologically, angels or humans can't turn into angels or whatever. But I mean, I was making it even more awkward. Like, are they in heaven? Oh my! Yeah, you didn't catch that part of it. No, I I've been to some funerals, not as the pastor, but even just like I feel like it's you know most of the time it's an awkward situation. Like you kind of like everyone is at differing levels of sadness. Some people have been crying. Some people are just like awkwardly sitting there next to the people crying, and it's kind of like you feel like you need to say something like. That's just my personality. I'm not okay with the awkward silence. So I just try to say something to fill it. And I don't think I've ever said angels gained another. I mean, heaven's gained another angel. But I've had it said to me for like family members that I've attended their funeral. Like I'm like, uh, how do I respond to that? Like, are you sure? Like, I don't know that I would have said that so confidently, but okay. I'm going to immediately change it away from this one because I think that if you are a Christian and somebody says that and you're at a funeral, 
don't be a jerk. Just be there and love people. Don't be like, well, actually, they don't turn into angels. And actually, they were a backslider. So what you were doing is setting us up. Right oh, no. Now. I just thought that, like, here's something that gets said. And I was wondering that either within this room or any of our so listeners, mean, if they're like, yeah, exactly. And it's like, no, don't be a jerk. Next one. You wouldn't have a theological conversation with a person that's heartbroken over the death of a loved one right there? Absolutely not. <laughs> The best I'm actually to... shocked that you wouldn't, truly. <laughs> it seems like your jam. <laughs> Murdoch has a very shocked look on his face at the moment. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one then. The next one is let Jesus into my heart. I feel like that's a kid saying. Well, if you don't, you can't be an angel in heaven. <laughs> That is one of the prerequisites. Yes, you need to have Jesus in your heart. But if you then backslide, you don't become an angel. In I don't know. You this definitely is going need that hedge of protection. You do sure. need that hedge of protection. <laughs> but maybe they traveling mercies on the way up. They didn't pray for traveling mercies on the way up, and that's why they ended up not being that's an angel it. in heaven. Oh, that's it. <laughs> the rest of your life group will be up there. Yes, that's another one. Life. But group. God did bring you to it, so it won't only get you through it. Oh no. <laughs> Quick, Delilah, help us. I'm having anxiety. <laughs> they just need to do life together, that's all. <laughs> Back to it, though. Jesus into my heart. That's that's the thing that I think we all say at the church, and it's said very commonly throughout it, like, in order to have salvation, you need Jesus in your heart. But is that even in the Bible, that whole phrasing of Jesus into your heart? I think it's something that probably, I don't know the historical, like, origination of the term but it's probably something that someone said in a kids class like a vbs a bible study sunday school kind of situation where they were trying their best to like make salvation understandable to kids i guess but if you really think about it kids think very literally and that's kind of a terrible way to describe it to like someone who's five there's a little tiny jesus in there <laughs> yeah Side note, because we have a five-year-old right now, we were listening to this uh, song called In the Father's House on Alexa, and I asked Reed, because Reed is very musical, right? He picks up songs really quickly, and he was singing it with me, and uh, he was talking about, like, In the Father's House, and I said, what do you think they're talking about? What do you think the Father's House is? And he goes, um... It's probably like a big house with a lot of fathers. I don't know, like a, a mansion for fathers. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yep. I said, no, it means like God's house, you know, because God's the father. And he was like, huh? <laughs> so I think in trying to be simplifying for kids or adults even sometimes, it's like, is that a simpler way to describe salvation or accepting salvation, like the gift that it is? to say Jesus into your heart. Like, I don't know that it is simplifying. I think about like second language learners that would confuse a lot of people in a literal translation. Yeah. I remember when I first started coming to church, I was like, yes, I believe in Jesus and that he died and rose again and died for our sins. And then the first time I heard, let Jesus into your heart, I was like, wait, am I saved? Did I do that part though? Did I let Jesus into my heart? Mm. I was obviously like overthinking it and making it way more complicated. But yeah, that phrase for sure freaked me out. Yeah, it does kind of seem like a checklist thing. Like, okay, I've accepted salvation. Did I invite Jesus into my heart? Check. Okay. Did I do this? 
Well, I know it finds its root scripturally in Revelation. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the letters to the churches. And it's Revelation 3.20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. Which is not talking about standing at the door to your heart and knocking on your heart. It's literally like, hey, you're a lukewarm church. I'm knocking at the door. Does anybody want to let me into this church? Because I'll come in. I'll, you know. Mm. So still the mercy and grace there. Jesus saying, yeah, you guys are lukewarm, mm. but I still want to come in and be with you guys if you'll let me in here. So, but not quite into the heart. Again, if we simplify it or put it in, not make it a cute, fancy thing for kids to understand, but really kind of look at it. It's the idea of having Jesus be the center of our life so that our life revolves around him. It works around his will. He comes in. It's guiding. He's guiding our life. I also found another verse, Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, that says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. So, again, it is this establishment of dwelling in our heart, but it's being the center of our lives. And and even that verse right there goes into even so much more about the the height and the depth and the wide and the length of, of God's love for us and Basically, Jesus' love for us, he wants to be a part of our life. That's why Mm -hmm. everything happens, so we can have a relationship with him. Yeah, I think that one actually applies better as far as him dwelling in our heart Mm -hmm. as opposed to what I was quoting from Revelation. But that's Revelation is where normally people will kind of say, see, here's here's what it's talking about, Um, which then brings me to that wonderful phrase, a verse, I can do all things through a verse out of context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that when it comes down to, though, is it, Delilah, how you were saying, like, wait, am I saved? Because did I ask Jesus into my heart? Mm-hmm. Is that Jesus's way to salvation is repent and believe and follow me. Mm-hmm. And when people say, well, I asked them into my heart. It's like, well, wait, did you ever do the repentance part? Mm. You know, because we can simplify things and we can bring it to everything that you just said and everything that was in that scripture from Ephesians is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But we're like, no, I have them in my heart. It's good. It's like, well, did it make any kind of a difference? You know, there yeah. should be other things going on there that again, coming down to when we cliche Christianity and it loses its meaning. Mm. And did you pray a prayer to ask Jesus into your heart? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I prayed that prayer after the service. Like, but did you ever repent? Like, was there ever anything else going on there? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's kind of one of the more dangerous phrases because so many people, their idea of salvation hangs on it. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at an empty cliche, like you really want to have a better understanding of salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Like you did that, but what's going to be the follow through, right? Like what's going to be your next step? What's going to be like, there should be fruit from a life that has changed, right? Or, or something. And if that's not the case, then what good was the invitation that you extended? Like, why did you say it if you didn't want the follow up or the follow through? But again, it it is the cliching of it all does. It simplifies it to a point of it makes it convenient for people to do it. Mm-hmm. and then I've said it and it's done, but then I don't have the repentance part of it. So without that back-ended part like you are talking about, mm-hmm. it means nothing. It's just words. And, and 
the whole idea of this, the theme verse that, or if I want to say like, what Bible verse can I put on this podcast to make it summarize what we're talking about is Matthew 12, 36 to 37. It says, but I tell you that everyone will give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken for by your words, you'll be acquitted and by your words, you'll be condemned. And I, I just think about it because I, I, I honestly believe sometimes as Christians, we just, we've emptied words of meaning or we've put too much stock in words that have no meaning. So like if we looked at a term salvation or the gospel, do we really understand what that means? Do we really understand how much the gospel needs to be part of our daily life or good news or telling others about Christ, you know, or getting saved? Do we really understand what these mean or they just become lingo or phrases that we say Mm. and there's no meaning behind it. We've just lost all root to it because we say it so much. Even something as funny and catchy as traveling mercies, like that's, that's something big, you know, that's, that's huge to want to pray for. Like you were saying, Murdoch, pray for someone to get someplace safety because that's what we should be doing. I think when we were talking about this, Justine, you mentioned, uh, God bless you. Mm. And like, what does it even mean to bless you and all that other stuff? And I know like it comes, what is it like you're trying to keep the demons out or the demons in or something like that? Are you trying to keep the demons in, Chris? <laughs> I don't know. But when we, when, we, when we were talking about like, then what does even blessing mean? What does the word bless mean when we talk about it? And when you go into like Genesis and the account that like Abraham or Isaac, when they gave a blessing to their son, like that blessing that held meaning behind it. There was, there was real value behind it that if you got a bad blessing, like, like Esau did, like he was like, no, do something else. Give me another blessing. And there's like, nope, that's it. Like Jacob got the good one. You got this one. And there's nothing I could do from that point. But the words, again, they have meaning. And we can, we can kind of take that out. Yeah, that's what I think. Like, I think it bothers me when I hear people say them like just so secondhand, like casual. Not that you can't say things casually, but like, it's like they say it so much, it just kind of like means nothing. Like, oh, God bless you, sister. God bless you. It's like, well, okay, that's nice. And I, I don't know. This is just how my mind thinks where I'm like, why do we say that? Like, God blesses those who he wants to, like, and he doesn't bless those who he doesn't want to, I guess. Or I don't know. I just saw a guy at a store one time and he casually walked by me and he was like, oh, hey. Hey, Sister Justine. Oh, hey, hey, how are you doing? And then he said, like, oh, God bless you. Like, I, was, I don't know. It was just a moment in my, like, and I just spent the rest of the time walking around Walmart thinking, like, why do people greet each other that way or say goodbye to each other that way? And I, I get it. It's a nice thing, and I'm sure no one means it in a, you know, a mean way or anything like that, but it just feels like there's sometimes where we fill space with those cliche phrases and it prohibits us. It's like, oh, well, if I just say this, I don't actually have to talk to that person. Like, I don't actually have to see how they're doing. I don't actually have to care about this conversation. And I seem really spiritual as well. So, I mean, it's a win-win. But I feel like that's part of, I don't know, I really like talking to people and I don't like when they just cut me off with a God bless you and then they wave and they, they you know. Well, he could have greeted you with a holy kiss. I mean, there's always that option, too. No, I think Walmart has rules against those kind of things. <laughs> COVID kisses. I thought you were going to say you're confused because like, 
I'm not sneezing. He keeps <laughs> saying, bless you. What's happening here? Yes. I'm like, uh, I, I don't know. That's just, I think a lot about what words mean and why we say them. And I feel like it just makes it so empty when you just say it so casually all the time. Like every time. I don't know why you all are looking at me. You just haven't talked in a minute. I like when someone says, God bless you, even if it's empty. I mean, that sounds so awful, but it's like, all right, thank you for throwing that my way. You know, I'll take it. Empty or not, I'll fill it with something. I'll use that. You hear that, God? (laughs) (laughs) He he asked you. I'll take what I can get. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess I'm not against that. I I get both sides of it. It's like, it is a nice thing to say. Um, it is. That's why I'm conflicted when I talk about it because then I sound like the jerk. Like, don't bless me. Who are you? You're not blessing me. Like, God. I just wonder if Christians in other cultures, it's kind of like when people come to America or to California and our thing that we say to everybody is, hey, how's it going? And foreigners are just like, why are you asking me such a personal question? I don't <laughs> even know you. You want to know how it's going? And like, we've already walked away and they're just like, what's wrong? Like, wh- yes. what's going on here? Like, we're asking something personal, but we don't really care, which again comes down to like, I'm like one of, like you were saying, Chris, a blessing in the Bible is such a huge thing. And we're just throwing it around like, hey, God bless you. God bless you. Now, if we're not throwing it around and we actually, I think that coming from all of this is let's start to put the meaning back in mm, our words Yeah. that I want to go around and tell people, God bless you mm-hmm. and say it with the full impact that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Like, Let's not just throw out empty phrases because they are sort of appropriate in the instance that we're in. It's like, let's actually mean what we say and try to be genuine. I I think that's really where the root of my dislike of these phrases is like, it doesn't always feel genuine when it's like overused or I don't know. That's kind of my beef with it. That's the probably the the most (laughs) nail on the head of it all, though, is be genuine. Yeah. Because really... What the world needs more than anything is authenticity and Christianity. Mm-hmm. So that the words we say, we mean them, but we don't pull back and say something fluffy to replace a word that, that has deep meaning in it. Like, repent. What, what You got a grin on your face. What? Because I'm just laughing because it brings in another like Christian thing, but it describes what we're talking about is in the Bible and it talks about the power of life and death are in your words. And a lot of people throw that around even... But what we're talking about is really like, hey, what you say to somebody can really make a difference. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? When I think of how people talk to me and how I can talk to other people, just like, yeah, that is really big. I totally agree. Because even in the simplicity of like Delilah saying like, I could use a God bless you, even if no one means it. Or Justine says like, don't say it if you don't mean it. At the end of it, God bless you is the real thing. I guess if we say something with meaning, we don't know what impact that's going to make on someone else. So if we genuinely mean God bless you to someone and we say it with every intention that we have in our heart for the right reason, we don't know how saying that could affect someone else's life Mm -hmm. who may need to hear something or even like a simple God loves you, just putting real meaning behind it. We don't know whose life we're affecting by being genuine with our words. Yeah, I think that's huge. Like you, I mean, most people can tell when someone's being unsincere and they're just saying it to say it and I personally don't like to have things said to me just to have them said like I want to feel meaning behind it sincerity like and I feel like most people can tell the difference between one of these phrases said with sincerity like 
hey, you know what? I really hope God blesses you in that way in your life today instead of just like, well, God bless you. Like it it means something. It feels different. It actually feels very genuine. And it feels like that person really cares about you and your relationship with God as well and your life, you know, like and people want to be cared for. All I have to say to this whole episode is only God can judge me. <laughs> and everyone here just needs to calm down because you don't know my heart. Oh, wow. Men judge the outside, but God knows the intentions of the heart. God knows who I am and where I am when I say God bless you, whether you sneezed or not. So I do want to change it, change the topic just a little bit uh, to my favorite. It's the most Christian thing you can say, but most often it's non-Christians that say it. Jesus Christ, (laughs) (laughs) to which my favorite response, and it catches everybody off guard because I've just, I don't know why, I'm just a provocateur, I guess you could say. People say, Jesus Christ, and I turn and go, oh, what did he do? And they're like, what? I'm like, Jesus Christ, yeah. Like, what did he do right now? Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, you brought in the Messiah. Like, what's going on? And I just take it as far as it'll go, and pretty soon people realize like, oh, yeah, I'm actually saying a thing, and if nothing else, they don't say it around me anymore. But I think that it's a pretty interesting way. Like, hey, you're bringing up the Messiah. Here's an in for me. Like, what do you want? Like, what is he doing? You see, this is where my comment came from earlier about the funerals. It's because you like that thing. You like these conversations. <laughs> you just said it yourself. You're a provocateur. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, definitely... My dad is, I don't know if he would identify himself as a Christian. He grew up Catholic. He does not attend church. And I definitely heard about Jesus Christ in my family before I attended church as well, every once in a while, you know? (laughs) So it is something that everyone says, but doesn't hold a lot of meaning how it should when it's said. I don't want to say anything because I feel like what I am thinking sounds pretty awful. (laughs) Say it, please. I don't know, sometimes when I hear someone like saying it as a curse, like I know it hurts my heart a lot because I'm like, no, that's bad. But then another part of me is like, oh, so you know that guy, you know, like if things get really bad, then mm. maybe you'll say it in another way. It's mm. actually a really good point. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you guys already on. have a relationship. Good. So I don't need to worry. <laughs> But like I was saying, I think to to wrap it all up, I I think that it's very important, at least for Christians, to put the meaning behind and the value behind what we're saying again. Let's not just talk, say things because they're meaningless or that we just say them in church because we say them. I think if we put meaning back into things for Christians, at least, or just in people, like I I know that's something I have to work on. I got to be a better person around people. I don't know what you're talking about. You're like the most (laughs) outgoing, friendly person I know. But I believe that if we put value back into what we're saying, if we really, if we really start saying things to mean it with love and with care, mm-hmm. like the church is called to, mm-hmm. then these things aren't cliche. They're meaningful and they have weight and they have substance behind it. Amen, Chris. Mm. Preach. <laughs> For me, it's interesting because when it comes to saying bless you when people sneeze, I stop doing that because it's like, why am I doing this? Because you sneeze. And I talked about that one time, and now, like, some of my students also haven't said, like, bless you to people when they sneeze in years, or even when someone goes, oh, hey, how's it going? Like, I won't ask them that question back because I don't want them to lie 
Mm. Wait, why can't you say bless you when someone sneezes? Because, like, am I actually, like, asking God to bless that person? Like, it's literally just a trained response. It's like Pavlov's dog. Like, somebody Mm. sneezes, I say bless you. Yes, like, I hope that sneeze doesn't turn into pneumonia and then death. (laughs) Well, that's why you say it with sincerity. Mm-hmm. And Murdoch doesn't. No, that's where I'm, I'm, <laughs> and you have to know yourself. To I yeah. am trying to get to that point. <laughs> is that where I stopped saying things because I realized, oh, that has no meaning. Mm. Like, I don't think it's good to just like, oh, yeah, that kind of lost his meaning. I shouldn't say that anymore. I think that it's like, mm-hmm. I want to be a better communicator and to be able to be blessing people with my words and, you know, to be able to bring life into people's life with my words and... I don't know. That's something that I realize is just like, yeah, the solution isn't stop saying bless you because we just are trained to say it when someone sneezes. The solution mm-hmm. is like, see how I can go around blessing people, whether yeah. it's with my words and actions and everything else. Yeah. And just to clarify my story earlier about the Walmart interaction, <laughs> I had not sneezed. It was just out of nowhere. So that that's another reason why it irked me. I'm like, mm. we are in a pandemic. We all need random blessings yeah let's be real if someone sneezes next to you that you don't know you are running as fast as you can you do not have time to say bless you or praying for that hedge of protection <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right i'm gonna wrap up this show because i can see this is gonna go in a loop so <laughs> i am chris i'm Mirdlich. i'm delilah and i'm justine and we are your church friends thanks for listening